morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. And thank you all so much for joining us. We are recording today from the Plainfield Christian Science Church, Independent, the United States of America, in Plainfield, New Jersey. And our subject today is truth. And we will start with our morning prayer. I'm reading from Miscellany, page 147. Let the Bible and the Christian science textbook preach the gospel which heals the sick and enlightens the people's sense of Christian science. With ministry, reaching the physical, moral, and spiritual needs of humanity will in the name of Almighty God speak the truth that today as in olden time is found able to heal both sin and disease. Mary Baker Eddy. Thank you. Okay, Karen, the watching point. Watch number 190. Watch lest you inadvertently fight against the action of truth as it enters your life and adjusts effect to correspond to cause. War often comes because of this very necessity. Nations become wrong thinkers, and the demand of truth is that this wrong thinking be exposed, since only in that way can it be corrected. War simply means that wrong thinking is being exposed so that it can be corrected. Never fancy that truth is creating an evil when it stirs up the muddy riverbed, as science and health says, and causes mortal mind to express itself as discord and evil instead of as human good. The master said, quote, think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword, end quote. Truth comes to show that the effect of an evil cause must be evil, an intent to destroy which corresponds with cause. It should never be a peace peace when there is no peace. Moral man complains when demonstration drives hidden error into expression. Yet this must be done. Paul admonishes us to rejoice in infirmity. This must refer to hidden error that is forced to the surface because it is ripe for destruction. When truth forces mortal mind into an expression which exposes its murderous, destructive nature, mortals learn the character of the sin they commit, the idolatry, when they put matter, which is only the shadow of mortal mind, in the place of God to worship it, to love, or fear it. Before mortal man will arouse himself to throw off mortal mind, like must express itself in like, so that mortal belief may be unmasked. Thus, students need to be warned not to fight the action of truth as it causes like to manifest itself in like. Truth never produces evil. It exposes it. Thank you. That's a good one. Okay, comments. <clears throat> well, first of all, I like the, well, <laughs> I, when it says idolatry, and then it lit, uh, says to, uh, in the place of God, to worship it, I mean, excuse me, idolatry, when they put matter, which is only the shadow of mortal mind, in the place of God, to worship it, to love it, or to fear it. So to fear matter is idolatrous. I just really didn't see it quite that way. And and also the the um, the reassurance that it is um, it's right for destruction. When error is brought to the surface to be self-seen, it's because it's ripe for destruction. So it's on its way out. It's not, you know, that's, that's reassuring sometimes. Yes, thank you. I was thinking about before I came here, 
the life that I had, I was fighting really hard to keep it, <laughs> but I was miserable. <laughs> and, and once it was done and I was brought here, it was very quickly. I was like, thank God that is over. So, I mean, that feels like, you know, there's a lot of ones that feel smaller as time has gone on, you know, overcoming the error. But that one just seems like the big one <laughs> that I've had in the last 15 years. So. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, I like the first sentence. Watch lest you inadvertently fight against the action of truth as it enters your life and adjusts effect to correspond to cause. What does that mean? That feels like the Adam and Avare, self-justification, self-love, and, uh, and then uh, getting your pride hurt if you get, or uh, not accepting the change or correction that you need to make. The error is exposed. Yeah. Yeah, you know, this is what I would always try to do. I, I, I try to smooth everything over rather than let the error be exposed and to deal with it. This is why nice is considered a four-letter word. You try to smooth it over, make it nice. It wasn't so bad. As Linda said, that a self-justification. Oh, there was a reason for it. It's okay. Um, and in that way, you're not letting it out to be healed, and you are declaring peace, peace, when actually there is no peace. And as Jeremy said, I, I was miserable doing that. But I, in some ways, I thought that was Christian science. You know, keep up that. What was that British show I loved? Keep up appearances. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything to show forth a good appearance. <laughs> well, that doesn't work. You've got to let it all bubble up to the surface. Um, you, all of you, you, you all did a. A lot of good writing on the forum this week. Thank you. Very substantial things. Um, Louise wrote about, I guess, quoting George Shaw, the article, World Fermentation. God is indeed working his purpose out. The very nature of truth is to uncover and destroy a lie. Many, many riverbeds hmm, of selfishness, of dominating will, of belief in and love of materiality, of satisfied human intellectuality. That's a big one. Are needing the wholesome stirring and challenge of truth before a better order in human affairs can be ushered in. The task of the Christian scientists during this period of chemicalization is to nothing nice and not to balloon era as it is brought to the surface. And that, no, that is, excuse me, that's John Randall Dunn in a 1948 article. And another article was by the George Shaw. And it, it quotes Mrs. Eddy about moral chemicalization. When the symptoms of evil and illusion are aggravated, we, we may think in our ignorance that the Lord hath wrought an evil. But we ought to know that God's law uncovers so-called sin and its effect. Only that truth may annihilate all sense of evil and all power to sin. And the margin, marginal heading is cleansing upheaval. So, so I hope you all understand this. It's an important point. It's good to have the error to come out. Better it comes out than hiding. Stay hidden. You stay yeah, hidden. That's like the pigs then, because he says it was self-seen and then destroyed. That yes. rushed down the mountain because it exposed what was really under the surface. Of Thank you. Thank you. And I, I love, I keep this in my um, full text, clip it onto my full text. It's a quote from Mrs. Eddy, message of 1901, page 9. The Holy Spirit takes of the things of God and showeth them unto the creature. And these things being spiritual, they disturb the carnal and destroy it. They are revolutionary, reformatory, and now as aforetime, they cast out evils and heal the sick. He of God's household, who loveth and liveth most the things of spirit, receiveth them most, 
he speaketh wisely, for the spirit of his father speaketh through him. He worketh well and healeth quickly, for the spirit giveth him liberty. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The powerful, I mean, she does such powerful things in just a few words. Again, Carrie sent me some beautiful articles. I'll get into it a little more later. But one of them was talking about um, how a metaphysician is often a poet. And a poet's a metaphysician, which I certainly have never thought of. But, um, and of course, Mrs. Eddy was both, wasn't she? And she was a master of the words. She was a master of words. There was also a, a wonderful article she sent, and I would I want it on the carousel because it's too big for the liberator. And um, it was called The True Method of Healing the Sick by John Carroll Lathrop. And he goes into he says there twenty there were twenty seven specific healings that Jesus did in the gospels in the New Testament. And he goes into all of them and how various ones were healed and the big he said of course it never uses material means it sort of goes hand in hand with a samuel greenwood article we had recently which was just talking about all this healing done without medication and serial medica anyway in this article it brings out faith is a huge factor in it it's always talking about faith and when someone wasn't present and a healing was uh, taking place. The faith, those people had very strong faith, right? And, and great is thy faith. Receptive. Pardon me? And receptive, I think. Yes, yes, that was the second quality. Re faith and then receptivity. They have to, you have to, a readiness to receive So those are important things to think about. And then sometimes um, he would have to uh, rebuke, didn't he? And that was when maybe an era was a little more aggressive or, or deeply embedded. He would have to rebuke the era. Remember, it's not person because everybody gets upset. Oh, you're hurting their feelings or whatever. It, it's the era must be rebuked. Um, it gives the example, in the case of the deaf and dumb man, he spoke to the closed sense of hearing and speech. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said unto him, a father. I looked that word up because it's very hard to pronounce. It sounds like father in a Brooklyn accent or something. <laughs> anyway, he said a, a father, and that is to be opened. And then I read that, there is a prayer they call the apatha prayer, and it's for people who think that their success is being blocked. So this is the idea of opening up, opening a way, open. And when he did that, um, he was healed, right? And then, and then the other point was made that they had to exert themselves. They had to do something. They had to pick up their bed and walk or reach forth their hand, even though they thought they couldn't do those things. <clears throat> he mentions about the lepers. They were not healed instantly. He, there were some cases things weren't healed instantly. But as they went to show themselves to the priests and their hearts were so hard and ungrateful, only one turned back to give thanks. And his faith made him whole. So, and then maybe the last, I think, was the forsaking of sin. <laughs> so, the forsaking of sin. It must be done. And two, there was one other about prayer and fasting. To, as we've been taught here, to make sure we are praying knowing God's allness and not accepting anything but his allness and fasting from all the beliefs of error. 
And he said something beautiful about, he says, the little word faith. Would it not seem that there was need of instilling into the minds of men a higher sense of this little word? A sense that is not blind and speculative, but one that is constant, firm to move mountains, and that believes that it will receive when it prays. In other words, a belief that is so sure and certain, based upon Jesus' teachings of the oneness and allness of mind, spirit, love, that the faith becomes understanding, which unfolds to the hungering thought of a glorious science. Now, that's so beautifully put. And we had someone on the forum asking a question. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not even sure what that question was. Whoever this person was was getting very much confused in this, the jargon of metaphysics. You cannot know science through intellectuality and trying to figure it out. You will get into a garbled sense of things. And I, I loved Jasmine's answer. She says, the scientific statement of being is the truth of life, and Mary Baker Eddy asks seekers to remain faithful to it until it unfolds in the soul. The statement of being is incomprehensible to human reasoning, yet its substance is the reality of life. Understanding the statement of being is the goal of spiritual life. Through spiritual discrimination, let us understand the true inner meaning of the statement of being and realize our identity is spirit. Leaving in and with the statement as daily practiced, as a daily practice or discipline, will free the mind of its belief in error. And then she writes it down. And I do work with it thoughtfully every day. The truth is at work, but it is not intellectual, and you will trip up so badly if you try to figure it out on that level. I love what she says. Let it do its work. Work with it faithfully until it unfolds in, in your soul. And it will. Truth cannot be forced. And, and it's the renewing of your mind. You're getting rid of all the gobbledygook of all the stuff you've learned throughout your life with false education. But it keeps, go ahead, please. No, I think it's more, then it's more the consecration, isn't it? I feel that if you're just allowing it to become a part of you, daily thinking it with understanding. It become naturally a part of you, I feel. Absolutely. And it, and it does that because it is naturally a part of you. It's your natural being. And that the truth in you will re respond to the truth. Hey. You talked before about, you know, Jesus saying, be opened. And we're supposed to stand porter at the door and open at the right time and close at the right time. And this James Neal, he was one of the people that were on the board after Mrs. Eddie passed that, you know, did their own thing and, and ignored the manual and did all that stuff. So closing the door to people who whose thought is not right is probably a good idea too. <laughs> so. Well, definitely, most definitely. And someone asked me this week about, I don't know, that. well, they liked a certain author who I'm, I have never been that impressed with. And um, Mrs. Eddie writes this about choosing books. A student once asked Mrs. Eddie in class respecting some book, she paused a moment, then said thoughtfully that we must test books and people by their influence over us, and that as results might not appear at once, great care was needed in the choice of both books and friends. Now, I'm really not in the business to tell anybody what to read. If, and if something helps you, fine. It doesn't help me. I'm not interested in it. 
But if it helps you, then that's your journey, and and you have to let God guide you. Because that's exactly what the organization got into the business of telling people what to read and what not to read. And that is not trusting the Father. And the Father must be trusted. So um, it's up to you, but you must do it with great care, as you would your friends. And I, I've emphasized it many times. What's on our website is the creme de la creme. It's tried and true. Many of you will not convince me that these more recent things are good. I find them, they they, they um, disturb me in a way. Contaminated with other thoughts. They are. They're adulterated, and I can feel the thought of who wrote it. If it helps you, that's fine. That's up to you. But um, and it gets to be new age. It gets to be all this lovey-dovey stuff, and it's not handling animal magnetism, which all the early workers did and knew how to do. Which you have to know. It's not all about God is love and pie in the sky. You must know how to handle animal magnetism, or you will be a target for it. And in knowing how to handle it, you will prove its nothingness, and you will go forth with joy. All right. So, oh, and the other. So, okay. We'll go back to truth. And Lillian, you can read the golden text. The hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Thank you. And again, Jasmine said, The hour cometh and now is. For in truth there is no past, present, and future, no birth and death, no seeming mortal mind paying lip service to error, sin, and evil. And I love where she writes at the end, While mortal men and women are asleep dreaming of worldly things, the saints are awake in spirit and are able to look at this world smiling as if it were a motion picture. <laughs> That's so true. That is exactly how you should feel. We're, lit, we're in the Father's house. This other thing is the Adam dream. There is no good to it. There is no figuring it out. There is no studying it. There is no explaining it. It's a mess. And that's because there's no power in it. If it's not of God, it's a dream without power. And we shouldn't give it power over us. All of this human drama going on, wars, politics, all of this human stuff... And we've got plenty of media that are willing, you know, to entertain people with all of this garbage. But we should be, we, we need to rise above it. And only then will we have dominion over it. Because there's no human answer for human problems. <laughs> Mrs. Eddy called human existence an enigma, yeah. right? It's a problem without a solution. So we don't get into it. And that's why it can be so frustrating if you're in it. <laughs> There's no solution. You just bang your head on the wall is right. <laughs> um, and Patricia in the forum gave a definition of truth as purity from falsehood. <laughs> so... Submerge yourself into the truth. Study science and health, prose works, and the Bible. And it is a person asking me about what to read. If you don't know the truth, it's in science and health and prose works. If you haven't studied that first, how, are you, how will you sense the counterfeit? You won't. And so much is out there. So easy. I, I've sadly seen so many people drift off. Because they've gotten involved with various, especially new age stuff or whatever. It's a little bit easier. There are less demands. So, well, you'll have to find for yourself. Yeah, one thing I've noticed since coming here is people people are searching. And then when they find here, they don't realize that they, 
they can be done searching. You know, <laughs> there's a lot, there's plenty to learn here. I've been here nine years, and I have not read everything. Yeah, so. that's it. We've got so much, and I don't have time to waste my time. I have to be very selective and and very careful as to what I read. And I think that's what Jesus meant. Uh, it, it, it means more to me every year when he said, he that believeth in me, the works that I do, will he do also. But, you know, that word believe is, is not well understood. And it, and it may not be, you know, the most uh, useful for everybody in this context. But you, first of all, you have to believe that what Jesus did, he really did. <laughs> and that God did it. And then you, ha and when you open your thought to accept that Jesus, in fact, did show us things that are possible, you know, it wasn't a magic show. And he really did exist. There are people who think it's all made up, but that's, you know, that's too bad for them. And then when you open your thought to it and you think, okay, this is possible. There's a, there's a science behind it that, that makes it possible. There are laws and rules governing us. And he showed us what is possible. Well, then you begin to get the science. You begin to open your heart and the scientific statement of being begins to start to make sense. It goes into your soul. And then you can gradually, maybe quickly, maybe slowly, but you can gradually rise above the dream, the mortal dream. And the truth will, the truth will come to you. The truth is active. The truth is all powerful. The Father seeketh such to worship. <laughs> the Father is not a passive thing waiting for you to find him. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's a shepherd calling. That doesn't leave you alone. He's ever watchful, ever calling. And we mustn't shut the door to it. And Mrs. Evan, Evans gave us one of, you know, I told you she gave us many definitions from the glossary to memorize and one was that one called believing because we think of understanding more advanced and that is true but believing in the right sense of it is, is firmness and constancy not a faltering nor a blind faith but the perception of spiritual truth <clears throat> and then mortal thoughts illusions but that first <clears throat> excuse me first part of it is what you enable, what enables you to, to see, as, as Gary was saying, see the Christ works, believe them, understand them to be true, and not reject them. Truth, truth at work, the leaven of truth at work, all around the world, all around the nations, everywhere it's working. Various forms of it working. Right, Florence? Absolutely. Florence has been more around the world than I have. <laughs> you know, it is absolutely. Mm -hmm. I also like. You know, my um, excuse me, but my um, brother-in-law is Jewish, and for the last few years, he's been doing research, and he's converted to Christianity. He said, "If you look at what happened, uh, there's no other choice. How can anyone?" believe anything other than Jesus is the Messiah. And a lot of the other relatives aren't very pleased about it, but I'm so proud of him for standing firm and what was revealed to him is the truth. Thank you. I know Suzanne has told me about there's something about Jews for Jesus or something. It's a big revolution going on with people. <laughs> right. Yes, so. I've heard of that as well. Yes. That's yeah. a revolution within the Jewish community. Right. 
And, you know, it, it's too bad that because there's been this division and separation because, you know, Christians blame the Jews for this, that, and the next thing. And that, that, that's just not necessary. <laughs> Things that happened in the past, let them be in the past. Let us expect only only good. Remember, the first Christian was born a Jew. <laughs> yes, he was. He was born a Jew. Absolutely. And I mean, probably we're all Jews once. I, I don't know, but we mustn't get into this de- device, divisive thing that goes on. So, Shardy, what, um, what were you saying about the golden text you wrote about? Oh, I know it's very personal, but I, I, I had to really think about it because am I doing this? Am I really praying in spirit and in truth? So these are the things that I came up with, and everybody can come up with their own. But it has helped me to think about this if, I, if I'm doing it. And, uh, and then I read somewhere that if you're praying in spirit, it's with all your heart. And that, that's very comforting, too. So it's, if you're sincere, you are praying in spirit. And the truth is all of what God is. So that's all you have to use. So yes, yeah, it's a it's a beautiful thing to think of that, and that we yes. So I really enjoyed the golden text. Um, it 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 helped me because when I was thinking about the hour cometh, you know, it's like it's these challenges that come, and you know, I had a challenge pop up last night that was it felt very personal and it felt attacking and it it wanted to get under my skin. But then when I look at the golden text and it's like the hour cometh and now is when I have to worship God in spirit and in truth. So I have to stay in the spirit. And I have to hold to that truth, even when that opposite claims to be present. And so it's, it's really been helping me knock down this, you know, this error that comes and, and tries to, to yell at me and claim something and, and get under my skin. Exactly. That's why, you know, we work not to react, but to, this is the time. These are the challenges. We've studied in the morning. Now what are you going to do when Eric confronts itself? <laughs> are you going to just gonna fall down and scream bloody murder? <laughs> Which I've done many times, but it's time to con- confront that error and see it as nothingness. I think it's important also to not forget what power is behind the words. Um, I, I like this uh, Joshua 1 5 where he says, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. I like that. Yes. So it's, it's recognition, revering this power that's with us. And I think uh, Kratzer writes a lot about dominion, dominion within. Um, what we have, we cannot forget that. Thank, thank you, Florence. Thank you. Yeah, the the truth never wears out. <laughs> <laughs> no, never gets old. Always fresh. It, it is our friend. You know, some people are afraid of the truth, especially. You see, if you've been dishonest and living deceitful lives, that's in the response of reading too, rejecting all dishonesty. And if you live a deceitful life, you will attract that to you, and things are going to get worse. That's why you to live an honest life is so important. The truth is your friend. Always better to tell the truth than to lie. Try to, again, smooth out smooth a problem. It over, smooth yes. it over with lies. White lies or otherwise. So there was a, you know, a big section in this week's lesson about Zechariah and, and prophecy. And Mrs. Eddy gives that a definition of prophet is a spiritual seer, disappearance of material sense before the conscious facts of spiritual truth. And we should all have that. When we're in the one mind, right, we do have it. We can feel and see beyond the material sense to see the facts at hand. And that's what, you know, Lenny was talking about when you have an awful picture in front of you. You have to see above and beyond that to the truth, to the matter. That's how you heal it. Um, in an article called True Prophesying by Ella Hogue, she says that um, today is in ancient times. There are those who prophes- 
prophesy in accordance to the law of God, and there are those who predict events and direct contradiction thereto. There have been a few who have known that they were thus assuming the role of a prophet, but they, but have they not done this in just the degree that they predicted either good or evil as likely to occur? How many have realized that every time one is declared for or looked forward to or expected an evil happening, he has been joining hands with evil prophesying? While when hope has been singing in his heart, in spite of clouds or storm, he has been on the side of good, predicting and expecting it to come to pass. You must watch this. It's done so easily. You expect the worst, right? Mm-hmm. And you say it. Oh, this will happen or that'll happen. or I mean, it goes on all the time. Now, that's a false prophecy. That is why in the rule for motives and acts, Mrs. Eddy warns us of that, right? <clears throat> it's very important that we not get into that. So... Rule for motives and acts, wherein she tells us to pray daily that we may be delivered from all evil. She mentions first the need of deliverance from erroneous prophesying. Watch yourself. Because you you predict things to happen, and the next thing, what happens? (laughs) Yeah. Get what you expect. Yeah. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, there we go. You invite it. And I find it so downpulling and depressing, <laughs> yes. negative prophecy. You don't have any energy to do much good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just sad. So true. I mean, why bother? It's all going to be a yeah. mess anyway. It's very dangerous, and it happens a lot. And I, you know, constantly, that's why to work with the daily duties is so important. So um, now the prophets, they when they spoke about things that might happen, they, what were they trying to do? Rouse thought. Yeah, rouse people's thought. And sometimes you will have a feeling of foreboding. So what do you do about that? Watch. Yes. Watch, work, watch, and pray. Work, watch, and pray. Yes. Very important. And and that can be God speaking to you, warning you in some way. You have to know the difference. And there's a big difference. Because the other is just, oh, this is going to happen. Or, oh, so-and-so is always that way. She's probably going to act that way. And there she is acting that way. And then you say, I told you. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But you're just uh, not being a good servant for God. Craig, what were you going to say? Oh, I would disagree. Thank you. <laughs> All right. And then the, the first statement in Science and Health, goodness attains the demonstration of truth. So this, this does away with intellect. <laughs> if you want to understand truth, goodness attains it. And then... The definition of goodness, the moral qualities which constitute Christian excellency, moral virtue, and it quotes Galatians, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, acts of kindness, and charity. To understand the truth, you've got to live the truth. You've got to live the Sermon on the Mount. You have to be honest yourself, kind, loving, the fruits of the Spirit, yes. You cannot understand it by sitting in a chair reading. And it goes on, those first three, about that while the heart is far from divine truth and love, we cannot conceal the ingratitude of barren lives. What we need most is the prayer of fervent desire for growth in grace, expression, expressed in patience, meekness, love, and good deeds. That is what will attain truth in your life. And as you live it, you will understand it. Your eyes will be opened to see the truth of God's word 
it will become easy and natural and you will be repelled by its opposite however it might present itself now there's this beautiful article i'd just like to read this was part of it anyway um sunrise at pleasant view this is another that uh dear carrie sent me it's a letter from an albert hostmeyer to mrs eddie my dear mrs eddie what a beautiful painting your sunrise at pleasant view is its whole tone shows unmistakably that it comes from a pure heart i want so much to thank you for showing me in this lovely description that it takes goodness to really appreciate and express beauty how intelligent too how intelligent too truth makes one in all directions i am an artist and i am sure that no one who makes landscape painting a vocation could improve upon the arrangement and composition of color you have given us it is certainly technical perfection if it were not that i understand a little of christian science i should think it impossible for anyone but a practical artist to attain such artistic truth it is vain for us to hope to delineate the beautiful without living lives of goodness and beauty but when that mind shall be in us which was also in the one altogether lovely our every thought will be beautifully expressed be it words colors or notes your sunrise dear mrs eddy is such a perfect example of this that i felt it would help my spiritual growth to acknowledge my sincere gratitude to you to you and then it's mrs eddy's writing painting sunrise at pleasant view from miscellaneous writings and it's on page 376 i won't read it hopefully most of you know it because it is absolutely beautiful so again these are examples of how to demonstrate truth through goodness you know we have wonderful artists in our church and more and more i mean realize our friend in hawaii is also an artist and of course we have luann i was telling luann her pictures just express such soul and beauty they glow the christliness and thought many others of you it's a soul now i'd like to karen you wrote some really beautiful things on the forum so both of them well um go on go on in love (laughs) i love that one go ahead okay um this was from barnes well the the the, uh from the bible i quoted the uh, ephesians 4 15 but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head even christ then from the 20th century new testament translates this verse as follows but holding the truth in a spirit of love we shall grow into complete union with him who is our head christ himself unquote then barnes notes on the bible speaks of this trans translates this um by speaking the truth in love margin being sincere the translation in the text is correct literal literally truthing in love two things are here to be noted one the truth is to be spoken the simple unvarnished truth this is the way to avoid error and this is the way to preserve others from error in opposition to all trick and art and cunning and fraud and deception christians are to speak the simple truth and nothing but the truth every statement which they make should be unvarnished truth every promise which they make should be true every representation which they make of the sentiments of others should be simple truth quote truth is the representation of things as they are and quote and there is no virtue that is more valuable in a christian than the love of simple truth number two the second thing is that the truth should be spoken in love there are other ways of speaking truth it is sometimes spoken in a harsh crabby sour manner which does nothing but disgust and offend 
When we state truth to others, it should be with love to their souls and with a sincere desire to do them good. When we admonish a brother of his faults, it should not be in a harsh and unfeeling manner, but in love. It should not be done in a harsh and repulsive manner. It should not be with indifference or in a tone of superiority. If we go to convince one who is in error, we should approach him in love. Such things only repel. Quote, he does about half his work in convincing another of error who has first convinced him that he loves him, end quote. And if he does not do that, he may argue to the hour of his death and make no progress in convincing him. How beautiful is that? And that is why, you know, the, what, Second Corinthians 13, all must be done in love. Or, or it's, yeah. it's, it's of nothing, of no value. And, and if we love and cherish the truth ourselves, and we know what it has done for ourselves, this will just be, we, we love the truth, so just overflowing these truths. And then it's not you even speaking, it's the power of God. And I, I love what that Herbert Ruby in the No Power Vito. Thank you. <laughs> That's a funny thing. <laughs> anyway, he says, Remember that we are never alone. There is always a manual or God with us. You never give a treatment for yourself or another, but what the Father is right there with you, pouring out inspiration and love that is needed for the healing. And that is it. Because when you're with the Father, you feel that oneness. Whatever you do, if it's a rebuke, if it's um, words of compassion, it, it'll be God working through you, and it just comes pouring forth. And then know that person will feel your love and be receptive to that love, which will bring about the healing. No. And, and, and notice in the second citation that Mrs. Eddy uses the words truth and love in the same sentence. And because love is the truth, divine love. And, yeah. if you, and, and if you don't have the love in your heart, you're living a barren life. And it's going to be tough until you get love in your heart. And before his image and likeness, the image and likeness of God, that love is there. If you feel it isn't there, again, it's there. You've just got to cut through all the, what is it called, onion peels? Or <laughs> the Jeremy wrote about the adamant of error. I talked about that earlier, too. All the block roads, Linda mentioned, the self-justifications and the... So anyway, that is was so beautiful. Thank you, Karen. You're and, welcome. Yeah. And what did you write about, Linda? Um, I was the falling away from truth. Um, and that uh, you had uh, given an assignment for us to read the parable of the foolish virgin, virgins and miscellaneous writings, where Miss Teddy tells you exactly what not to do or what to do so you don't fall away from the truth. And what I loved was I read a Bible commentary that was talking about the falling away and uh, temptation and talking about David. And David, when Saul was after him, had made a commitment in his heart never to harm uh, Saul. And then that way, when he was pressured to, you know, have that temptation maybe to defend himself, he never fell for it. He, ne he didn't cave because he had that commitment. I love that. This writer kept speaking about the importance of this commitment, which we talk about here as a um, covenant with God. But what the writer said was, quote, no one who is dominated with thoughts of the goodness and faithfulness of the Lord would turn their back on the Lord, end quote. And so uh, Ms. Zeddy talks about preparing your heart, too, and it was a preparation of the heart that I was reading about. Thank you. Yes. Preparation. You must be ready to receive the truth. That's why if someone's not ready, you're working in vain. You can't push it on them. And what does Mrs. Eddy say? You may know when f first truth leads by what? Fearless and faithfulness. Fearless and 
Venus of its followers. A lot of falling off. (laughs) But thank God for those who don't. And it takes the love of the truth to keep us there in the Father's house. What a wonderful quality of truth. And take these synonyms and work with them for yourself and for the world. They are so powerful. So Gary will end something beautiful, also given to us by Carrie. Yeah, this is from an article in the February 1918 uh, issue uh, by William McKinsey, titled Truth is Formidable. While truth is thus marching on to its inevitable victory, it is attacked on all sides. Its adherents seem to have seem to have to meet hosts of adversaries who far outnumber them. Furthermore, the adversaries claim to be clever. And those who stand for truth will sometimes admit that claim with a weary sigh, when they should never sigh nor be discouraged, but joyfully turn to principle or truth itself and find healing from every weariness and sense of discouragement. Truth is formidable to error because it puts error out of action. The lies and deceptions which have tormented the human race are a great host. Yet, as the ages go by, they are judged, and they pass under condemnation into nothingness, while truth, consistent and undivided, marches on. Very truly could the apostle say, we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. But to work wisely, we must know how to overcome error with truth, how to enlighten those who stumble in darkness. The wolf in the night tries to scatter the flock, that he may slay the sheep as they wander confused. So do the human enemies of man, as wolves in sheep's clothing, first try to divide and scatter then they will, if they can, devour trust, confidence, goodwill, kindness, fellowship. Because if the flock should remain united in love and obediently trust the shepherd's care, it would be safe. But against the truly honest man, the mesmerist and the spy work vainly. The honest man will not accept any inducement of theirs to separate himself from principle, for his God is a God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is he. The servant of Antichrist anywhere is afraid of the honest man everywhere, because every such thinker menaces his power, which is based on deceit. Mrs. Eddy says, only the action of truth, life, and love can give harmony. Whatever teaches man to have other laws and to acknowledge other powers than the divine mind is anti-Christian. And that's in Science and Health, page 169. The Christian scientist is so named because he is pro-Christian. Let him then, in his honesty rely upon truth and be certain that it is formidable against error and will prove victorious in all the earth. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.